Welcome to Everything Went Black podcast, episode number 27. Yesterday, I had the pleasure of meeting Daria Albers, Europe's K1 welterweight women's champion. She was staying with Gavin Van Vlack over on his couch. Gavin gave me a call one day and said, hey, you want to interview uh, Daria Albers? And of course, I said yes. So the last couple of days, I've been training at the new uh, Marcelo Garcia School. They got a new facility over on West 26th Street. The last few months have been uh, really rough. Uh, ever since we lost the school back in September, it's just been like a nonstop barrage of temporary places, reduced training hours, and all that sort of stuff. So it's great to be back training, back on the mat again, and realizing just how rusty I got over the last few months. You know, even though I've been training Muay Thai pretty, you know, pretty religiously, just use different types of muscles, man. Use your body in a different way, and. Uh, it's, taken, it's going to take me the next couple of weeks just to get back to where I was before the break in training. Anyway, thanks, uh, everyone, all the kind words we've been getting here for the podcast and the blog. Uh, once again, the website is www.everythingwentblackmedia.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at MikeHillHQ. And here we go with Daria Albers. So what, what brings you to New York? Um... I changed a little bit plans. I want to go to Florida. Okay. Actually, too, because I, I trained with the Italians. And, um, yeah, you should come a little closer here, <laughs> if you don't mind. So, yeah, I went uh, to Philadelphia to visit my friend, and then um, plans changed a little bit, how it is sometimes in life. And then she said, yeah, we know Gavin already, we, we met already. Right. And then she said, yeah, I sent you to New York, and then we could check out. So prior to, to training at, um, at, at uh, Clockwork, have you trained, you, you're new at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. So uh, did you train at all prior to this, or are you brand new? Like, just a few, really, just a few lessons. Uh, so Maybe three months. Okay. So Gavin and I, we're, we're like, you know, older dudes, and our interest in martial arts probably, uh, you know, started with like, Bruce Lee movies and like watching martial martial arts films and whatnot. So what what actually got you into training? Like what was your your, your sort of stepping point into training martial arts? Um, it was actually was a friend because I was <laughs> can I tell it honestly? Please. I was a very fat girl. Okay. <laughs> and I was totally a non athlete. And um, a friend told me, you know what, you should do something because you you're not heavy at all. You need to find something that makes you happy, like mentally-wise and physically-wise. Right, Like right. to lose the weight to feel better. And um, then I... It took me four weeks. I was four weeks at the gym. I always brought my friend, and I was waiting in the car. Oh, so <laughs> just to get enough. Four weeks. I, they, they didn't believe it after that. 
even my coach is like four weeks and, uh, and then I was sitting uh, sitting at the stairs and waiting and then finally I get got in and I met my coach and we're best friends since then we spent like almost every day together since seven eight years and it's um, yeah he had, he had this initial talk it was like that he was totally not about oh yeah you feel we are fighters we are one of the best schools so, totally not like that it was everybody's welcome if whatever goal you have tell me if if you don't mind I will try to to succeed with you to like uh, reach this goal so I mean that's similar like you know the martial arts attitude versus the fighter attitude you know and I think these days, because of the success of the UFC and like MMA in general, a lot of people go into it with like an attitude of like, I want to be a fighter and this sort of stuff. But, you know, for me, like martial arts was more about like, you know, calming me down and like making me sort of more of a social person in some ways, you know, and helping me achieve goals and sort of things like that. So it sounds like your experience with that was similar, like you were, you were you know, you were you know, uh, fat or whatever, and yeah. not necessarily athletic at all, right? Not at all. I was yeah. so uncoordinated. Around that time, like, what sort of stuff were you into? Like, was it school or, you know... Yeah, school. Video games, like, things no, like that? No, uh, school, and um, we had a lot of... We had horses, and I was more grown on the farmland, like, more outside the city, so I was doing that. that that's so Hamburg, right? Hamburg, Germany? Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. Around Hamburg. And... Um, yeah, but then I immediately fall in love, really. Was it Muay Thai right off the bat, or was yeah, it? Yeah, okay. Muay Thai, uh, more like the K1 style. It's okay. Muay Thai, but we do a lot of like, uh, more K1 style. Okay. So and, and so how long before you started being competitive with that? Like, what was, uh, you know, the, the learning curve for you? Like, you know, cause it, as far as, um, you know, you started day one. You're basically completely out of shape. So yeah. what was the... The sort of uh, trajectory, like how did you, like how many years did it take you before you were actually starting to, to compete? And it took me exactly one year. One year. Because I told my coach, okay, in the first year I will lose like 25 kilograms, it's a lot, 50 pounds. Yeah, it's a lot of weight actually. He said, in one year I want to, uh, if I lose the weight, he said, okay, if you lose the weight, I will train you every day and you get your fight. And I lost the weight even quicker, even faster. And then he said, whoa, and you're like improving so fast. And then I did my first fight one year after. Wow. And I got a bad beating. Oh, really? Okay. Well, <laughs> yes. you know, it's a tough sport, Muay Thai. No, I was still, I was still from my height way too, too, too big. So my opponent was very tall and right. she, she had like a little of experience, so she beat me up. But also, like even after one year, like your shin conditioning and stuff like that, you know, that's probably even, because it takes years to build up that conditioning on your shins and, um, you know. I don't know if I can interject, you know? my opinion is, shin conditioning is kind of a myth. Really? Shock, exactly. shock sets in, man. Yeah. You're going to, you, either you get hit and your body reacts a certain way to dull the nerves, neurologically you develop that. But pain is pain, and it hurts. Right. It's a matter of, like, you can choose to recognize the pain, and you have your choice of how you're going to react to it. Exactly. Oh, okay, yeah, but I mean, even, like, the, like the density, though, of, you know, like, getting your bones, like, denser. Yeah. And, yeah, that's what I mean, you know. So it'll take a while to sort of get that together, I think. It right? takes a while, but on the other hand, it's really, really, it depends on what kind of training you get. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's, uh, and I consider my coach and my team one of the best teams in, the, in Europe. That's what it is. That's, that's a fact. And I was just very lucky that I get this coach. 
he works like he has like he he looks so much uh, in front. He has all his he and he adjusts it very good if something's not working out. So he's very flexible. But yeah, he has he has the, the game plan very good. Yeah, could you like talk about like your coach? Because like from little I know, he seems really, really super progressive. And it's weird because like being New York Mark, like a United States martial artist, a lot of our stuff, we always seem to America get get everything really steeped in mysticism and like bunk science, like bullshit science. And it seems that like like Downey really has like a like a game plan, and he understands, and he's very forward thinking about his methodologies of how he trains his, yeah. his people. Uh, yeah. Could you like explain a little bit of that? Because it's really interesting to me. Uh, with Danny, one point about Danny is that this guy is just interested in almost everything. Okay. He's super smart. I mean, like he's really intelligent, and he catches up on everything. And he's like constantly looking up something, talking to people wherever we go. Um, he looks up. He takes seminars, but he talks a lot to people. He's very well connected in the whole world, and um, he's fluent, fluently and exchanging and. He, for him, it's, he never gets somehow a routine. Like, when you train with him, mm -hmm. it's like every day he's like 100%. He's there. He's just so aware about every move you do, every step forward or backward you do as a fighter. He has like, he's just um, very sensitive to it also. And I think his key is um, that, yeah, that, that he never gets like this routine. He does not look at you, oh, she did the, five, the jab five times good, so the six times will be, no. He knows me. He knows it's, it's, it's about the details and it's about really, it's about the system. It's like a science for us. Okay, okay. Like we don't say like any myth about training, it's a science. Sometimes you have to try out and then you fail or you, you progress. So it's very practical, you know, very, very. and it's, you know, sort of based on, you know, like, practice and repetition and, and sort of a you know forward momentum that just... and it's also a lot of if you once understand the biophysics the physical and the, the movement the physical okay. movement yeah. of the body, biomechanics, biomechanics yep. yes yeah. exactly when once you understood that what what part of the body follows when you turn it or when you rotate it or whatever you do once you understand this system you can build up everything from the easiest combination to the very very like complicated combinations and um, yeah, we, yeah, we just see it as a science. We don't put any like emotions in it. Yeah, yeah. If I win a fight, I'm happy. If I lose, I'm not happy. But that's basically <laughs> the only. But that's basically yeah, the only yeah. emotion I have. It's more about we focus just on on little moments. It's like okay, I'm, I'm not thinking oh if I do the jab, the punch, or whatever the combination. I'm thinking okay, now this rotation. I'm concentrating that, and from there on. Like step by step, it's a structured building up. One of the things I always, one of the, one of the biggest takeaways from martial arts that has helped me through my life too is just the sort of, uh, you know, a, a accomplishing goals and having steps and, and that sort of thing. So I mean, for you starting out, like, did you envision yourself like a year later being having, you know, having a fight? Like, was that something that was like that seemed like an attainable goal at first, or? For me, really, totally not, because I was, I was always like the outsider. I was always in the school. I was first. I was the girl who never talked to the people. Then I was the, because I, I was like, 
I just didn't like to talk to the people. Then I was the fat girl, so for me it was never like a professional athlete and, and this level and now like even as a coach, I'm so, um, yeah, people speak, like oh, they're so positive right. when, when it comes to me and ne never really. That was like, even, even when I was doing the fight, I was, I remember, before the fight I was watching him, oh, is it really? I'm fighting? I'm really <laughs> fighting? He's like, yeah, you should shut up now and do it. Well, that's something I think probably Gavin and I can relate to as well. Because, I mean, like, you know, we, you know, for me, before, you know, martial arts or anything, I was always definitely an outsider. Gavin, mm -hmm. you probably, you know, probably everyone in this room feels like at some point in their life they didn't fit, you know, yeah. and through different things such as, you know, for us, maybe it was music at first, and for yeah. you it was, you know, Muay Thai. And, you know, that process of being on the outskirts and finding something to pull yourself in to a more positive uh, less, you know, lonely place, you know. So, I mean, I think that that's a really interesting thing. It sounds like that's what you're talking about, sort of. Yeah. On one hand, yeah, totally. But on the other hand, it's it's very interesting if I look back, uh, like, back the years now, that, yeah, I became successful and I, I reached my, I, I had a very good progress inside me, like, mm -hmm. as a person and right. my personality and physically, obviously, too. But on the other hand, I got it back then after from the people. It's like, oh, now you're successful. Now they treat me better because I'm successful. So it's always something. Right, right. And or when I started in the group, mm -hmm. they said, okay, let her train. She's the fat girl. She's just beside. And then I pro progressed. And then I was like, oh, I was one of the ten best. And then I was the best. And then I became his best student. And I became a coach. And they didn't like it at all. Because they were just jealous. So, it's. I mean, it's always. Yeah, you're always. <laughs> whatever always, you do, there are always people who, who try um, to make it feel less bad, uh, less good for you. We got a saying in America: "Hate is gonna hate." What I like to say is just, just really not give a fuck what people say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, well, that's really what it comes down to. Envy, envy breeds contempt, and that's the thing. You'll get that. It's, I mean, it's tough. I can imagine it's very tough coming from where you were. It's like, you know, as a female athlete, let alone, because people constantly, you know, like, oh, well, it's girls, and it's different. It's, it's fight sports, man, stuff. It's proven differently now, but, I mean, it's... People are going to, people are going to, like, for lack of a better term, hate on you because they're afraid they're not capable of doing the same. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of like, you know... A, a sort of human characteristic where it's, you know, they want, they, they want, they, whenever you succeed, it sort of takes away from someone else's steam sometimes. And that's, at least that's how people perceive it, you know, that's rather important. than realizing that someone else's success has absolutely nothing to do with you personally. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's a funny thing, is like, you know, like you and I are both coming from musical backgrounds where we got into that and then what kind of got me away from the musical, the musical stuff, and I still do music. Yeah. Or, or the scene, so to speak. And getting me, which, you know, I transformed from my, my hardcore family into, like, my martial arts family, which I very much have a martial arts family, was that hardcore music had become very much a hater culture. And then once, after years and while, after getting involved in, like, the martial arts scene and the fight scene, where it was a funny, because, uh, you know, Josh Griffiths said, you know, he's like, you know, he goes, you know, martial arts scene, it's just like, because he comes from hardcore, too, because it's a hater culture once you get involved in it. And it is, and it sucks that, that there's that aspect of it, but that's... You have to overlook that shit. 
Yeah. But there's one aspect for me what what changed is because the most beautiful about the sport for me is like being a fighter. <coughs> Not about the sport in general, but about being a fighter is that you barely do in life something what is so um, so pure and real that doing a fight. Absolutely. I mean, if you're in a ring or in a cage, that's like it's just you and nobody who helps you. It's, you can't hide. Yes. And that's what my coach always said. You're almost naked. You just can't hide. And it's so true because nobody helps you out and every fault you do the people will see and you get punched so you get yeah. you get you get punished by pain and in life sometimes you still you do something wrong but you can hide you try to hide it or you can not try to not people that see it and you don't get punished yeah well that's 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 so, a, that's running rampant in just like culture in general where people are you know aren't necessarily accountable for in a, in a direct way, accountable for yeah. the things that they do. You know, they, you know, some guy has a mustache or a certain type of hat, so he has more credibility than someone else. But in, in a fight, you know, and it's an individual sport. It's you and someone else, and only one winner yeah. rises out of that. And that's what I like, because I learned through that, not being scared to show my skills or to show, to do whatever in my life. And that's so important for me, because that changed, like, totally. Yeah. Really, it wasn't like that before. Um, well, I mean, you know, for, like as a young man for myself too. I mean, I started out the first like fight martial arts type thing I ever did was wrestling. You know, I, I came up from a wrestling background, so that was like, you know, being a twelve-year-old kid or whatever. I started getting out onto the mat with somebody, and suddenly it's like, wow, you know, all this, all this hours of training and running around in like rubber suits and whatnot. Now, so finally, this is like. I either win or lose. It's not practice anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like one of the most real things you can ever do in life is fight somebody. You know, and I believe that's a huge, you know, as as a person, you know, to go through something like that is like a development for your character. Totally. You know? Yeah. You know, yeah. and people that don't actually, I'm not saying everyone should go out and fight people or whatever, but it's like that's definitely uh, a right that certain that people in our in our culture these days don't seem to have that appreciation for you know a real experience in their life you know mm. so yeah and it's barely in life also that you you do every day like almost the same like you train something you do something and it's just little details you work on sometimes for other people they never see they never see your progress they see at the end they see the fight okay and then you see if, if you they can, they can see if you got better or not but they don't see like the everyday work you put in, right? And it's um, it's so pure discipline because you don't see it. At, like you feel it, you might feel it, but it takes you like so long to proceed with that and to to get better and and to yeah to make it just a better fighter. And um, that's what I like because nothing else for me in life, or there are not much many things for me in life you can do when you have to show like everyday discipline. Yeah, it's, it's a hard, you know, it's a hard life to continue yeah. with. Yeah. So now, um, after that first year, that first fight, you know, suddenly you're you're K1 champion. So, <laughs> how is how does that feel in respect to, you know, to, from the very beginning? Like, was that something you even you'd even seen for yourself at all? Is that some, yeah. like, how, how did mentally how would how would you you know how did you deal with that you know sort of thing? I. I don't feel really like a champion, really. I don't feel it because my personality is like, I'm Daria, I'm who I am, and um, I'm more always um, 
I'm more working like on myself, on my personality. I'm more busy with myself. Right. And um, yeah, and so for me, sometimes yeah, sometimes people rem remind me that I'm the champion. They say, "Oh yeah, you're the champion. Wow, this is so great." And then I'm getting very happy because I'm thinking, "Wow, I'm getting sometimes very emotional about that." Because not of being the champions, I'm getting emotional when I see what, what kind of person I was, physical and mentally, and what I am now. And I'm so strong, and I'm, I'm somehow, sometimes my mom says I'm like a, sh I'm shining, and I'm so bright as a person, and um, it wasn't like that before. So it makes me very emotional. Not the belt, but just right. reaching it. But, but taking that first step from, you were saying, like in the beginning... Like when you, you know, you would sit in a car, you know, like that effort of taking that first step from sitting in the, into the, in the car to stepping into the gym to start training, you know, that is a step a lot of people aren't able to take for some reason in their lives. So, you know, maybe talk about that a little bit, because that, to me, that's like, you know, showing up is always the first step to doing anything, Yeah. you know, so it's that, that's the kind of, um, the separation between you know, either doing doing something and being successful or staying in that sort of state of mediocrity or whatever, so... It's interesting that you mention it because I feel that it's still sometimes during the training the same thing. Sometimes in sparring, you don't want to do things. You stay in your comfort zone. You just stay there. Or you in BJJ, same thing. Mm -hmm. I knew just, a, knew just a few moves and I stay. I do always that moves sometimes. So I have to force myself, okay, go this step. Same like go the step from the car to the gym. It's it's the same thing. What we we do every day. What what people have to do to go into the gym because it's like one thing we know without progress, the world will will wouldn't be that uh, wouldn't be like it is now. That's what we all know. And it's for me. Mm, I always try to see it. If I'm getting too lazy in my comfort zone, I always try to see it like that. Okay. Um, I reached this, this certain step, but um, I mean, I will not lose anything if I do a second step, if I try something new, if I try it. You never lose. How can you lose something doing, doing just trying out? And it's the same, like, if you, if you didn't try, you will regret your whole life. And that's what I really believe. We, that we have just this one life, and that's what I'm always imagining. If I really have this one life just, and if... The time just passes by, so it never just uh, an hour again or a week or a month again it will never be again in your life. So I always um, try to say, now it's the time, so do it, because you don't want to regret it. And I mean, for me, I would <laughs> I would be a different person. Yeah, can you imagine if you'd never taken that step, though? I can imagine that sometimes, that? and I even I can't imagine because it will, I would would never meet my best friend and my coach and this is like this guy saved my life really I would never have this, this um, the, the ability like what I learned to talk to people to exchange so many things with people inside the group or sometimes outside just people who are watching my training right um, I, I really really love to tell people about my sport and to spread the world with my sport or to teach them or just that People in general getting so excited and interested in this sport because the most people are not not excited about nothing in life. So yeah, well, that's that's another big you know big thing too is the sort of 
the culture that, you know, the world culture we have is like there's so much at our fingertips, yet everyone's still bored, you know. And I yeah. think that it's that, that lost link between the brain and the body, you know. And, uh, you know, things like martial arts and, you know, athletics pursuits connect us back to our bodies, which it seems like we're drifting away from that. Yeah. It's like, you know, we have iPads and, you know, cell phones and all these other, you know, iPhones and the internet and all these other sorts of distractions, you know. There's actually, there's a, um, there's a, um, there's a term for that. It's a digital dementia. Okay. We call it dementia, demence. Yeah. So we call it, we say digital demence in Germany. And it's a Korean word because Korea is the most technological country. Sure. They all have like laptops in school for young kids. And um, so they, because I'm going for school for psychology. Oh, okay. So um, for me, I read a lot about that and um, how the neuroplasticity call it yeah okay how the, how yeah. the brain proceeds mm -hmm. with everything and what it what it does to the children so i'm always I'm totally into it to, to support children and people who are not into sport to do something for sure because it's like our physical movement is so connected to our brain that it, it's a fact physical movement makes you being smarter makes your brain more active it does not mean that you get get more intelligent, that you right. knew more things, but at least your brain is more... Synaptosis. Yeah, and it's, it's activating the brain. That's a fact. And since since I read about that, and since I know that, and found that out myself also, that uh, should be... It's totally underrated and uh, should be much more done. Well, yeah, also just being in balance. I mean, that's that's the... The thing where when you start looking at people who are depressed or, you know, they have this sort of malaise in their lives, oftentimes it's because they're disconnected from the physical realm that they we all exist in. And, yeah. you know, that this sense of detachment, you know, like, is, that's, you know, I read about that quite frequently, people feeling, you know, isolated, even though everyone's connected all the time and always texting each other and, you know, but there's, there's very little of that sort of face-to-face -face interaction with people anymore. Yeah, face to face, and also what I like about combat sport is that you touch each other. You don't, you're not not scared anymore to have this this um, tight connection to people, like right. physically sure. and mentally. Yep. That's what I really like that people learn about their own physical movement, but you because you have always a training partner. Right. So it's great that you learn about the physical movements of the other one, and you get so close to someone that usually you won't do it, and you you learn after certain time you really appreciate that and it gives you so much so so much back especially now that you're training jujitsu um, yeah you know, you're like real close to people <laughs> very close yeah. yeah yeah some of the stuff that gavin and i spoke about in our podcast is this sort of you know disconnection of the brain and the body and trying to mm -hmm. pull people back into that world again you know and um so how do you meet gavin anyway we met in uh, Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, a mutual friend of ours, another professional fighter, uh, Casey Borman, which possibly by the time this comes out, she will be Dr. Casey Borman. Yeah, yeah high, extremely intelligent and impressive woman um, who I'm lucky, like that's one of the great things about Muay Thai, is like lucky enough to like, you know, I, I met her, I met Casey Borman, you know, it's like, you know, the people that I've met through martial arts are amazing. But uh, yeah, we met through Casey, uh, I was working with an athlete, and uh, we needed we needed decent sparring, 
which I mean, we could get in New York, but I took it as an idea to go down to Philadelphia because I knew I knew about her and I knew her reputation as 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 an athlete. And Casey's amazing, and they were training out of Dodd's fight camp at that time. So we uh, we trekked down to there, and that's when we first met. And you know, like, get along, we had, like yeah. you know, similar interests. Yeah, I saw some of your videos from that from the the Dottis camp. There's like a YouTube video yeah. of your training, like a promo clip, you know. Yeah. So are you is now the the next thing for you? Is it a move into mixed martial arts? Is that your plans for the future? Um, or? I'm open to everything. I'm not sure yet um, because um, there are some. There have to be like several circumstances who has to be right for that because generally I have a great team. In Europe, I have a great coach, right. so I I don't do it. Many people have a feeling they have to go into MMA because they need to because this is like the sport where you get the attention and the money out right. from. I don't feel that at all because I'm happy uh, with who I am, with my team, and I'm happy with the fights I get and I get everything. The only thing is I'm really interested because I could improve my skills so much. That's what. There will be like another level what I could just, yeah, to experience something new and give my body and my mind new input. And that's, that's what I'm always searching for. Um, and I also think that mind-wise, that would be a big challenge because generally I'm still this person who, ah, sometimes I'm not sure if I can do it. And uh, so it will be another challenge. No challenge, right? Yeah, to, yeah. It's not about the outcome. That's what I'm always saying to people I train. It's not about the outcome. I mean, yeah, if I'm fighting for the belt, the outcome is important. Right, right. But generally, if someone comes to train with me, it's not about the outcome. It's like, you set your own goal. And um, I'm not saying I want to be a mixed martial arts champion, but it's something like I would like to do a good fight, a fight where I feel good, when I when I can show my skills and, yeah, improve and, and get better. Yeah, I, I feel this, that is especially true with jiu-jitsu because I feel like, to me, jiu-jitsu is more about losing than winning, really. Mm -hmm. It's more about, it's a study in how to lose correctly <laughs> because, you know, when you first start out, and, I mean, throughout, you're always getting, you're always losing. You know, you can win and lose. I can, but, honestly, I mean, this is life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean that's that's what I'm what I'm always saying. It's people, especially uh, more in American culture, I feel that people are so very afraid to lose because it's so, so much pressure in the culture, in the daily life, and your work and everything. You have to be like so good and everything perfect and more and more and more. That's what I like in our sports. You can have at least an hour or two a day, where you lose and you still feel good. You lose and you still feel oh you you improved. And one thing my brother always said, it's, and he was so right, there will be always someone who's smarter, better looking, whatever, more successful, or in the right spot, in the right time. So once once you, you understood that, you're fine. You, that's how it is. You just, yeah, that's, you, you get defeat. And I think that people sometimes need a reminder about that. Because people always feel like, oh, pressure, I have to be... Right. Yeah, I mean, it's our culture. It's not only the American culture. It's sure. Like, same in Europe. So are you are you in university now? Because you, cause you <laughs> said psychologist. So you're, yeah. you're, you're go, is that a full-time thing as well as, as the, the fighting? or? Yeah, 
it should be a full-time thing. <laughs> right. But because of fights, because I'm teaching a lot, because I'm traveling a lot with our fighters also, we travel through the whole world. So you corner people as well? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. great. Um, my coach is the head coach, and I'm the second coach oh, I got you. in okay. the gym. Yeah. So... Um, I focus a lot of that because it gives me so much back and I can give the people back. So sometimes I need a little bit longer until I'm doing my tests, but, but it's okay because uh, my, my focus is really it's everything about fighting. And the psychology I choose because I like to, to get I don't know, input from my brain also. No, it's, that's important because I think a lot of times, in, you know, I'm just speaking about my experiences here. Well, actually, no. I'm, Experiences everywhere in Europe and the United States, where there's You're like a this. Guy. I'm a worldly guy, man. <laughs> a world traveler, you know. But uh, there seems to be like this sort of perception that if you're involved in like combat sports, you can't be involved in any sort of intellectual pursuit, you know. Yeah. And I think that what people will be surprised to find out how balanced a lot of you know athletes yeah. in fighting are, as opposed to just being like single-minded. You know, one, one, the physical world, and, and not the sort of intellectual world. That's that's what I I, um, I think because I was like totally non-athlete, non-coordinated. I had like no body feeling and no understand for sport. So it helped me a lot that um, I went um, for school. For first I did uh, physical therapy, and now I do psychology. So. It helped me a lot to understand the sport, to take it like a science. Right. They all come from, yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. Because I, I, by just looking and feeling, I couldn't feel it. And I didn't, I could see it, what they're doing, but I didn't understand how they do it. Right. So I had to break it down to really details, to real small baby steps. And then, then I did step by step. Oh, here the rotation, here that, and this. And that's how, I, I think really that that's how I became uh, really good as a coach. Right, just because, the ana yeah. analytical aspect of things. Yeah, because yeah. I, I see really the, the, the details about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in, um, in Germany, in, well, in Europe in general, like I know in the United States, like martial arts are like, you know, pretty pretty popular, especially since like the UFC started up, like, you know, jiu-jitsu schools are popping up everywhere. There's all these like MMA training facilities and whatnot. Yeah. Um, how popular is martial arts in general in Europe? Um, like, is it something that is in the consciousness of people in general, or um, is it still more marginal, or, you know? No, it's quite, it's, it's getting bigger. It's, it's, it's growing a lot. I mean, it's not that fast, like, MMA, and with the UFC, has made, like, a, such a huge pro progress here. Yeah. It's not that fast, but it comes, because we don't have the media attention that much, and it's like, it's been, so, but but the interest and uh, the I think the understanding what about the body and mind or body and brain connection it gets more and more through the people's minds. Yeah. So they, it's getting more interesting. You find almost everywhere good gyms. Okay. Like not like high top level gyms everywhere, but you, you find a good gym to train. Yeah, place you can learn. Yeah, learn exactly. the basics. Yeah. yeah. I still sometimes. It's because Europe has so many different cultures. Yes. So when you travel to one country to the other, if you feel like the different approach of it, some people are like the Germans, that's totally, they're, they're very conservative. So they're not, in, they're like, we tie with that MA, they don't yeah. know nothing about it. Right. And it's just a lack of um, explaining the people, because people always 
think if they never met someone who told them different, it's a violent sport. It's all about violence and hitting. Yeah. And for me, really hitting or punishing someone is secondary. It's more, it's about the technique in the sport um, yeah. and less about punishing really someone. Yeah, because I mean, I, I just in personal experiences, um, you know, people have been talking about, um, you know, they watch an MMA match. And even people who are familiar with boxing, they look at it, and they're like, what the hell, these guys are rolling around the ground, like, you know, kneeing each other in the face. Yeah. But they don't see the actual technique because they're not exposed to that sort exactly. of thing. Yeah. One, one of the most disappointing things I came in, con in contact with is, you know, I've, I've been, I go to Europe like once a year usually to mm -hmm. go on tour. And uh, in, in Italy, actually, um, I was talking with some kids and... You know, they knew from reading interviews and whatnot that I was active in martial arts, and they were confronting me about that. And they were saying, "Oh well, you know, only only like nationalists here are into like combat sports and stuff like that." And they like, you know, only like the only the nationalists like this stuff. Like us, like you know, sort of far out revolutionary types don't do that sort of thing, you know. And I found that really disappointing that yeah. people look at it that way. You know? but that's that's what I'm saying. It's cultural wise very different how the people see it. And it, it's also, I mean, it's about stereotypes. Our, that's what we all do. I mean, you do it, I do it, everybody does it. Right. The people, one, people are very aware, some people are very aware about this, and we try to be conscious about that and keep it small. Some people don't think about it. They even don't know what a stereotype is. So it's like me, I'm getting, oh, you, oh you're not like a manly girl. No, you're not lesbian. <laughs> that's the question there. That's, yeah, that's, that, I can't, that, that to me seems like... Such the most basic entry level hurdle to get over. It's like because you're physically capable, then you have to be a lesbian. I think that's ridiculous. But, but the other one, uh, the, uh, the, the positive thing about this, the moment a person asks me like that, I see a huge possibility to explain some positive things about my sport, to spread the sport out to the world. Because if someone knows just that, he, he or she obviously knows nothing about what it means really to be a fighter to be a martial artist so uh, it's a chance so I take it more as a chance and if I can show the people it's totally different than they thought before and that I'm totally not the stereotype it makes me very happy because I'm I mean the world is all it's all about being mainstream this stereotype it's all about that you can't be like beside that and um, I think the beauty is like outside the comfort zone the beauty is out very often for the most people Beside the mainstream, and it should be. One of the other things I noticed too, in general, is um, you know this this sort of idea of there being balance between your physical and mental capabilities. So when, when it's almost like when people criticize you for being physical, you know, from come, that criticism coming from somebody who's not physical and you know, operates completely on the intellectual level. It's almost like one thing, you can only be one thing or the other instead of both things together, you know. And I, thought, I find that to be really, you know, frustrating with people sometimes. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that when it comes to the, to the expression, physical, people, there are two different things what you can see. One is physical, oh, how you look, how you appear, it's all about superficial things. And on the other side, that sometimes people, I think, don't get it really. That right. the second physical, it means like being in touch with yourself, knowing when you move your arm, how far you move it, or how, how far you, whatever, do something. When you jump, how far you jump. Right. It's about 
controlling your muscles, controlling your neurons, controlling your body. And there are two different things, but people sometimes think, oh yeah, you're so physical, you do sports, you, they, they think it's more superficial than, and less how it is and real, um, that's more about function. And what's also essential too, because really our, our physiology and our brains haven't evolved since we like were you know gathering uh you know foraging in the you know on the plains like since being primitive man our our physiology and like our intellect haven't really advanced so without that sort of stimulus from the physical world yeah, i think that's where a lot of these like neurotic behaviors that people seem to have developed you know because yeah. they're not connected in the same way yeah psychology is software and hardware it's like with a computer we have the mind the software and the body the hardware and both is not working with the other one. So that's yeah. as simple as it is. Just to change the subject real quickly here. Um, this coffee, by the way, it's outstanding. <laughs> so what, what, uh, what's, what is this? It's this that's Nespresso. Right. It's an, uh, Josh Griffiths uh, actually like, uh, me and him are big coffee nerds. And uh, it's one of the only coffees I'll drink now outside of like the Bulletproof brand. Like yeah. The, the uh, upgrade itself, uh, yeah, it's just really good, straight up, strong shit. Mm. And also, this the addition of the coconut milk, the which coconut I've never tried before. So much better, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, we had a nice little feast here too. There was some, there's like sausage, uh, and we got venison and venison and pheasant sausage, uh, pickles. Uh, we always keep tons of food around the house. We have people over pretty regularly. So. <laughs> It's like we never know. We never, it's like we never know what, who's going to end up on the couch. <laughs> it's like I was joking, I was like, in about five years, I'm going to eBay that couch. It's just going to have so so much celebrity like DNA on it. Like, like, it's going to be an athletic genius off of that couch, right? <laughs> like, well, Daria, I like to thank you, you know, for taking your time here. You know, and I, uh, you know, wish you luck, and uh, you know, hope you enjoy your stay here in the states. Yeah, definitely. All right. Really, thank, right, you. thank you very much. <laughs> and there you have it, Daria Albers. Really cool conversation. It was awesome meeting her, and I look forward to meeting her again in the future. And wish her luck to everything that she's got in store for herself. Once again, the website is www.everythingwithblackmedia.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at MikeHillHQ. So live strong and be well. Take care.